Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. On Saturday, January 23rd, both political parties selected their leaders. In today's episode, we're going to take a look at how the Democratic Party is charting a new path forward and talk to its new chair. The meeting was virtual, and it was filled with messages from folks like Senator Kirsten Sinema. She congratulated the party on its success. Arizona Democrats now have the attention of the entire nation, including both parties. And the work required of us starts in this room, and the stakes couldn't be higher. Felicia Rodolini, who headed the party for almost four years, has stepped down as chair. This left room for a new leader to take up the helm. In the same meeting, the state committee outlined the party's goals moving forward, and they voted on four resolutions. The three remaining resolutions are restoration of integrity in the federal judiciary, uh, the border wall resolution, and the resolution pertaining to racism being a public health emergency. All four resolutions passed after some debate by party members. In today's episode, we're taking a look at the future of the Arizona Democratic Party. We'll look at the party's plans moving forward in 2021 and what's in store for the newly elected leadership. To help us break this down, we're joined by newly elected party chair Raquel Teran. On January 23rd, Teran was elected as chair of the Arizona Democratic Party. She's also the state representative for Legislative District 30 in the Metro Phoenix area. She was favored to win after a slew of endorsements by various members of the state legislature and both Democratic U.S. Senators. Today, I ask for your support to be the next chair of our party. Thank you. With 542 votes to 177 votes, Raquel Taran has won as chair with 75%. As Democratic chair, she will oversee the state party's platform and work to gain Democratic wins up and down the ballot ahead of 2022, as well as fundraising for the party and recruiting candidates. Raquel, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. So you overwhelmingly won your race to lead Arizona Democrats heading into the 2022 cycle. How would you describe your own political philosophies? My own political philosophy, well, I'll tell you, um, I started organizing in 2006 and I got connected into politics because of the anti-immigrant sentiment and movement in the state of Arizona. And so I engaged with movement building organizations like Mi Familia Vota and many others that were fighting uh, that uh, sentiment And uh, frankly, one thing led to another because the same people that attack immigrant communities were the ones gutting our education system, chipping away healthcare, women reproductive rights. And so I just became involved in the progressive movement. So I see myself as a progressive, a proud progressive. I've uh, organized around those uh, values and uh, I am, I'm here as one of those, of those people who feel that, uh, we need to move Arizona under that umbrella. 
So you are a self-described progressive Democrat who is going to be leading a state that is essentially still sort of more purple than it really is blue. How do you do that? Well, look, at the end of the day, I am a progressive, but I am so excited that we had such a, a decisive win because it shows uh, that I, that people know that I can bring people together. That's how I've been organizing for the last uh, for the last 15 years by building coalition. If it's an issue-driven campaign, or if it's uh, been civic engagement, or even here at the state legislature, it's all about bringing people together. So even though I see myself as a progressive, my campaigns have been under uh, as as uh, somebody who has progressive values. I am somebody that knows how to listen and that can bring people together. And I think that's that's why we had this success uh, today. At the same time that you were winning your party's chair, the Republicans were making their decision for the next two years. Kelly Ward will again lead the state Republican Party. Um, that was a more contentious affair. What does that mean, do you think, for both parties at this point? Well, um, I think the, the what we see uh, from the Republican Party is that they're divided, but at the same time, they did decide under the Trump to to continue the Trump agenda by electing uh, Kelly Kelly Ward. But frankly, I mean, our race, uh, my, myself jumping into this race, and when I say our, I, it was it's you know I, I feel that we can bring a coalition together, even our executive board. It's not only fighting against Republican; it's really building our Democratic Party infrastructure. So uh, we are in a good position. While they continue to be divided, they alienate people who are uh, independent or Republicans that wanna see their party regain integrity. It's an opportunity for Democrats while we continue to build our, uh, our base. Do you envision yourself or your party making Kelly Ward part of the issues that you're campaigning and fundraising around? Well, I mean, the fact that we that they have a divisive a, a divisive uh, party, it would allow us to make the case that Arizona is even stronger. Uh, it's that it's not a fluke that we are a, a, a more blue state. Uh, we still have work to do, but of course, the fact that uh, they want to continue on an, an agenda that is extreme, in my opinion. Uh, helps us bring in the resources to make sure that uh, our candidates win. So you are going to be the chair of the party for two years. At the same time, you are a sitting state lawmaker, as we mentioned. How do you both chair the party while holding office? And the question has come up among even your supporters with fundraising. How does how do you how do you separate the two and how do you envision yourself working on that end? I, you know, I, I actually was a part of the Arizona Democratic Legislative Campaign Committee. As soon as I got elected, I, I became part of that board. So I was able to balance being a state legislator and being part of the board that raises money to get majorities for the House. Uh, we Most of all of the board, uh, okay, uh, almost all of the board is actually conformed legislators. So uh, there's transparency, financial disclosures. And I am confident that we can, I can play both roles. And I think that we, I'm in a unique position, especially with the type of district that, that I represent, which is one of the poorest districts. It helps us make the case of why we need to win 
up and down the ballot. So um, I, I'm, I'm happy to be able to serve in both capacities. Um, so talking about uh, up and down the ballot, 2020 was kind of a mixed bag, it seems. Uh, the party had spectacular success in some ways by winning the presidential race and the Senate race. You also uh, raised a lot of money uh, in various campaigns, but you didn't dent the uh, uh, congressional delegation that you had hoped to maybe pick up another seat. The state house ended up, I think, more conservative than what it had been before it, by some measures. Um, it looks like Democrats left some points on the table given the state of play entering the election. What happened and how do you deal with that? Yeah, well, we had, you know, we had amazing, uh, amazing candidates running up and down the ballot. We did have uh, more resources in our communities. We were able to build great infrastructure. Uh, but if you, you know, like a lot of people are talking about the, the down the ballot races. Uh, if you compare Arizona to other states, we actually didn't lose ground. And as a matter of fact, we gained a seat in the Senate. And obviously what we were striving for was to be in the majority. Uh, but there were different factors. I think that we need to take into consideration the fact that we are in the pandemic. Our candidates, as well as our volunteers and our staff, believe in that pandemic. We were campaigning against people who believe that the pandemic is a hoax. And so that was something that uh, that affected us. However, I do think that you know, we were able to uh, drive out the vote for uh, Democrats on top of the ticket. And, you know, you know, change takes time. We saw it with a couple of districts that flipped from red to blue, like District 18 and District 28. Uh, those districts took time and they're blue now. The three seats are blue. And I think that what was invested this year is going to help us next year. So we're not going to lose patience and we're going to add on our victories from 2020. So 2022 is, for better or worse, already kind of upon us. Um, we have not very many months until things are really going to start getting underway in earnest. Mark Kelly is going to be up for re-election for a full term. You've got a slate of statewide offices that are going to be up on the ballot, including governorship, attorney general, school superintendent. We know various Democrats are jockeying and vying and starting to really sort of think about jumping in. They're starting to test the waters with donors and potential uh, organizations. What kind of candidates do you see yourself recruiting and what types of qualities are you going to be looking for in that recruitment? Uh, I think that we are need to, need to make sure that we find candidates that share Arizona values, that share American values. At the end of the day, we want to make sure that our communities are healthy, that people are, that we're striving to make sure that we make healthcare affordable, that we're striving to uh, make sure that we have fully funded education, that we're addressing the climate crisis. And we have a lot of talented people that are, that, that are, that that's their mission. And I don't think we're going to have a problem looking, uh, recruiting and training and developing all these amazing candidates up and down the ballot from school board to governorship. I am confident that we'll find those folks with those values. So I feel like you're not going to have 
a dearth of candidates. I think you're going to have a lot of people who want to get in. So how do you whittle it down? And do you see it as your role as trying to sort of clear the field for, for some of these races? Well, I think for the, these open seats, we're going to have to have a process. But what we, I think that we have to look at some of the things that happened with the DNC, for example. Um, they were very clear from the beginning on what the what the DNC, what the DNC's role was going to be. I think we're going to have to figure that out. We have to put it on paper. We have to make sure there's like, we don't know what, what the technology need is going to be. We're going to have to play a role in making sure that we have good technology. But at the end of the day, and, we, and the resources are available to all the candidates. So uh, we need to make sure that we have a, a very laid out plan for all the candidates that are going to jump in and that it's fair for everybody on, the, on, the, on those open seats. Tell us a bit about how the party messaging um, and maybe its public facing uh, aspects will change under you at this point, if you know. Do you intend to reach out to different constituencies more aggressively? Do you intend to talk about different issues more than what we've seen perhaps in, in more recent cycles? How, how might this start to look different with you as the chair? Well, I think, you know, look, the party is huge. There's so many different ideas, but our uh, our party at the end of the day is talking about the Arizona values. It's talking about American values. I think that candidates at a local level will have their own campaigns. I know I'll have my own campaign uh, and other other uh, candidates will have their own campaigns. And that's what's unique about the, the Arizona Democratic Party, that Candidates can run on on their on their values on their issues. So I think that we'll 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 see that uh, we'll see exactly that that there's opportunity for people to be who they wanna who they wanna be run under uh, run how they wanna run. Um, but uh, but I also think that uh, I'm, I'm sorry I, I'm a little blank here. It's a little bit late on the day. Uh, but I also do think that we are at a point where we're going to continue to engage our communities like the Latinx communities. We have to be stronger on engaging uh, different constituencies. We have to ensure that we have uh, engagement for indigenous uh, communities. We have uh, a space and, and for black communities, all these communities you know, are, are different. So I, one of the things that is part of, of, of my vision and the vision of, of our team was to ensure that we have real, genuine engagement with all these communities, because at the end of the day, they're the, the new American majority that are helping our party be stronger. So we need to make sure that we have a true engagement. It's not romanticizing with the idea that these uh, constituencies are going to come out and vote, but building real solid relationships. And that's why I uh, I, I come to, to uh the, the role as a chair with my experience as an organizer. And I think that's going to help us move forward to make sure that we are organizing in intentionally statewide and uh, that we're doing it year, long, uh, year round and long term. So two dozen Democratic lawmakers sent a letter to Senator Cinema and Senator Kelly to be urging them to be more vocal about where they stand on the article of impeachment against um, Trump. We've seen um, a previous desire by progressives to uh, want to censure 
Senator Sinema for being too bipartisan and for um, confirming some of the uh, president, former President Trump's picks. What do these sort of intra-party battles or conversations or discussions do for Democrats in a battleground like Arizona? Do they help? Do they hurt uh, something else? You know, it's important for uh, our senators to know where their constituents stand. Constituents stand. Uh, for instance, I was one of those people who signed the letter to make sure that uh, that we see uh, uh, Senator Sinema and, and Senator uh, Cowley um, speak up on on uh, impeachment. And that's what I hear from my from my constituents. That's what I see. And uh, and and at the end of the day, they are going. To, there are the senators, and and they're waiting for the process. In this case, specifically talking about this. They're waiting for the process, but it's important for them to know where we stand as their constituents. So there might be uh, differences in the way that we do uh, we do business, the way that uh, that uh, that we would like to to see them. But at the end of the day, the it's this is a big party. There are leadership. And uh, we are going to have to work together to make sure that we're winning 2022 and beyond. Republicans at their meeting uh, sort of repeatedly returned to the idea of election integrity uh, as something that was bothersome and one of their urgent priorities uh, at this point. Your party called for the resignation of the state's four congressional Republicans uh, in large part, I guess, over their challenge to election to the election results here in Arizona. How long will voting and election administration last as political issues? Is this just kind of a a post-January 6th thing? Is this going to be made a a campaign issue into next year? Well, that's a a great question because what I, from where I sit, Republicans have been creating barriers for our communities to vote since 2004. From the moment that uh, that they move forward on voter ID, that's a way of restricting access to the ballot box. And interestingly enough, uh, I think like we've seen through our state legislature more and more barriers. So even though this this year we saw the top of their ticket. Um, campaign and 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 create um like move forward these conspiracy theories on undermining uh the election which is shameful uh we have seen the republican party year after year try to create barriers to to access to the ballot box creating this fear that there's voter fraud so this is nothing new uh, for us, I think is it's our role one to protect democracy. We're going to have to come out very strong and, and through our legislative process and advocate, obviously, at a, at a federal level that we have voter voter protection and that we ha- expand our voting rights. Uh, but we also have to be at the at the defensive uh, because the action isn't the reaction. We're already seeing with the state legislature things like notarizing your permanent early voting, your your uh, early ballot to purging people from the list. So I don't think that democracy, the issue of democracy is going anywhere, but I do think that we come out strong as a party who wants to make sure that everybody participates. I guess final question. I've watched you, we've all sort of watched you 
grow in your involvement uh, within community organizing, holding elected office, and now leading the state party chair um, over the past decade, 12, 15 years or so. What does it feel like as a Spanish-speaking Latina to be elected to a position like this? I, I think you're the first Latina to hold this position. Alexis Cameron was the first Latina to hold. Yes. Okay. To hold. okay. <laughs> no, you're she's the second. first Latina. I'm the second Latina. I, I believe I'm the second Latina. Uh, you know, I, I'm very, I'm, I'm very excited to, to be in this role. Frankly, I believe it or not, I like, I've been working for progressive values for 15 years and I've been a Democrat all, the, all, uh, all my life. But uh, I wasn't, I don't come from the traditional Democratic families or the traditional Democratic Party infrastructure. I was not a young Dem. And, uh, but I, but I am very, just like very excited to have the opportunity to take our organizing to the next level. That's every moment of, of my organizing career has been, has been of growth, but not only of myself, like our community has grown and, and, uh, We've become stronger. Uh, we've seen the engagement of the, the Latino vote come out in, in bigger numbers. And I am proud that I have I was part of that movement. And now being in, um, in this role, it helps us make the case that we need to make sure that we are fighting for our families. Because at the end of the day, this is the reason why we want to elect Democrats. Or I'm a Democrat who's fighting for our communities and that I want more Democrats is because we need to make sure that we have a shot at all the, the, the American values, the, the fact that we want health care, the fact that we want good education, fight climate change, uh, women reproductive rights. I think it comes down to having Democrats elected if we want to have a good shot at that. Well, thank you, Raquel, for taking time to talk about your plans and, and the lay of the land at the outset of this cycle. I'm sure we'll be calling on you again. So thank you for your time, and, and we appreciate your, your uh, talking with us. Thank you. Thank you for your patience and waiting for me till the end of the day. All right, listeners, let's dive into some afterthoughts. Ron, while I was over manning the Arizona Democratic Party's meeting, you were covering the Arizona Republican meeting for as much as you possibly could since they barred reporters from attending the most interesting and worthwhile portion of their event. From what you were able to see, and I guess later learn from Republican spokespeople and officials, give us a quick breakdown of what happened and what it all means. Yeah, so uh, just to be clear, Republicans selected Kelly Ward to lead the party once again for another two-year term. And this was something that we all expected for some time. The surprise, though, was that this turned out to be a very close vote. Uh, Ward did not win it on the first ballot, and even on the second ballot, she narrowly won. And this is despite, you know, sort of engineering some rules changes and some uh, procedural uh, matters that were very beneficial to her effort. And so this is something that was an unexpectedly close race. And I think what it really kind of revealed is a Republican Party that has yet to really sort of put 2020 behind it. There is a deep lingering sense that 
the party has not been conservative enough, that its problems with voters in recent elections is sort of bad messengers. And that sort of creates an opportunity, it seems, for Democrats to try and fill that void and say, actually, we speak for a wider swath of voters. Yvonne, has the party on the Democratic side really started to seize that moment? Do they do they sense that? Or they've got their own battles uh, from the far left in their party. Uh, do they do they understand what's on the table here? Yeah, I think that the battles that have emerged most recently from the more liberal factions within their party are way less pronounced than what we have seen with the Republican Party. I mean, uh, you know, the mood over at the Democratic virtual meeting was largely optimistic, hopeful. They um, were really honest about what went wrong, what went right. They pledged to try to fix what went wrong, um, looking ahead towards 2022. You know, I saw some disgruntled, you know, comments or some sort of negative Nancy type comments in the chat box um, throughout the meeting. But by and large, I mean, this was like a civil discussion about resolutions, about party leadership. And as they learned via Twitter that Kelly Ward had won uh, the state party chairmanship over on the Republican side, I mean, they were overjoyed. They look at this as an opportunity. I mean, they were rooting for Kelly Ward because she she will, you know, if if her trend holds, she will provide counter programming for the very Republicans uh, that they're going to be trying to beat in 2022. So, you know, I, I see some splintering, you know, with some issues uh, on some issues, but way less pronounced, like I said, than than what we're seeing over on the Republican side. The big question is, these midterm years tend to be not so good for the for the folks who uh, are in power, in this case, Democrats. So we'll see if that trend holds in, in 2022, and we'll be reporting closely on both. That mouthful being said, it is late. We have been working all day, so that is going to be it for you Gaggle listeners. I'm going to go eat my Chick-fil-A. As a note, audio in today's episode came from the Arizona Democratic Party. While we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. And if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. And for what it's worth, both of our Twitter accounts are complete dumpster fires after our uh, Twitter missives that we have sent out throughout the day on the party activities. Today's episode was edited and produced by Maritza Dominguez with oversight from Katie O'Connell. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week.